Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. It is quite remarkable to me that one of the biggest stories out there today um, is getting no coverage whatsoever, guys. It's getting zero coverage. It's a story that actually does affect our lives and our livelihoods. It affects our kids and it isn't uh, the abortion pill story and medication uh, abortions that has people like representative acacia cortez saying we shouldn't even listen to the supreme court and the fda is is superior to it it isn't this conversation about nashville and the expelling of a couple members there for basically leading a riot which they did and all three members in my view should have been expelled There is a story going on. It's happening right now, breaking right now about this shooting that took place in Louisville. We're going to learn more about that story. But there was a Pentagon leak and absolutely positively no one is talking about it. A leak that not only describes exactly what's going on with Ukraine and Russia, but a leak that might very well describe what's going on with the United States. Guys, I'm Tony Katz. Good to be with you. Welcome to the show. Presented by Americans for Prosperity, americansforprosperity.org, economic liberty, free speech. That's where it's at. This is Major Mike Lyons, retired United States Army, uh, joins us right now. You've been talking about this, trying to explain to people that this is a much bigger story than anybody has given it credit for, sir. Leaked Pentagon documents show how deep U.S. has compromised Russian intelligence. You would take from that that there's some some good news here that the U.S. is doing its job on the intelligence side, but that these documents were leaked is the story. So first, what's going on with Russia and Ukraine? And secondly, why is no one talking about this leak? Okay, first question, not sure. Uh, What's going on right now is there's been a leak of documents, two different troves, about 100 in total, um, but at least 50 that journalists have had access to over the past week or so. And and Tony, these are as significant as uh, 50 separate stories that could be told onto themselves. They talk about the United States eavesdropping on our allies. They talk about the fact that we don't think Ukraine is going to survive uh, another year as a stalemate. They talk about positions on the ground of the Ukraine military, um, what's going on with their air defense platforms. They do demonstrate a significant amount of U.S. confidence when it comes to uh, reading the, the, you know, what's going on within Russia. But that's not good now because that news is out. So those doors are all going to get closed down. So this is a leak of, of the proportion of WikiLeaks and Edward Snowden. However, this is going to have significant impact, I think, on the ground in Ukraine as this offense looks to try to get off the ground. This tells us, sir, um, that both Russia and Ukraine have really gotten the crap kicked out of each other. These documents state that that anybody who thought that the Russian military was going to take this in three days, it's clear we didn't have any intel whatsoever regarding regarding how bad the Russian military was. But we didn't understand exactly how inept, how, uh, uh, let's call it corrupt, and how willing Vladimir Putin is to just throw body after body at this thing. What does it detail about the Russians that we kind of already know, but we really should understand? Well, most of the casualties, the initial reports on the casualties were a lot higher. It looks like Russian disinformation sources then took them and tried to modify them. 
uh, to show that they were actually less. But if they came true from the initial reports, the Russian casualties are much higher than anyone had ever reported before. Same on the Ukraine side, though. Ukraine has suffered some tremendous casualties. Um, but the air defense systems, I think, are the biggest story in this, in that um, the Ukraine is running out of those SA-300s. Those are not something that the United States can get their hands on very easily. We've got to send other air defense platforms. This is why that um, the Patriot missile and all these other air defense systems that the United States is trying to get there uh, on time is going to be so important because Russia still has more of that capability than the Ukraine can shoot down. Talking to Major Mike Lyons, retired United States Army. Uh, the other part of this story, this specific story, is that this shows us that the United States has serious, serious issues. We are leaking everywhere. It wasn't just Snowden. It wasn't just Trump. We've got leaks, and these leaks are all over the place. We've got a serious, serious issue. How come, or maybe, maybe I, I'm saying how come, maybe I, I've got it wrong. What has been the response to this from the Department of Defense? What has been the response uh, from the Biden administration? Because I haven't heard one from the Biden administration. Mm -hmm. And what does this tell you? What does this tell military members about the safety and security of, well, our safety and security? There's two channels right now that the, the investigation is going down. The DOJ channel is looking for the individuals because this is a crime. Um, you can even send it as far as it's treasonous for the amount of information that has been released. So that's on the DOJ side. and the Pentagon side, there's a known known of who's had access to these documents. These documents were part of the, the daily intelligence brief from the Secretary of Defense on down. They came from the joint staff. They came from the J staff. Um, and on it, there's information that all that encompasses all of the intelligence um, uh, collection agencies that the United States uses. So each one of them now has got a data breach. They are clearing their desks to make sure uh, to figure out the mitigation and the risks and the, and the plans for knowing that this information is out on the clear right now. So haven't heard anything from the Biden administration on it yet. And and in the fact, again, so this was a document likely classified, got removed out of a skiff, out of a secure location. Somebody took pictures of it, posted it online. And this is where we are right now. It's a you, I mean, that's, that should be that should be mind boggling right. stuff. This is Sandy Berger in the socks yeah. kind of stuff. The idea that somebody actually took this stuff from a secure compartmentalized information facility. That's what yeah. SCIF stands for and yeah. took it, was able to engage some level of copy of it, whether it be a photo or something else, and decided to post it. That's how is that not? I don't want to be the guy who assumes. How is that not uh, major treasonous stuff? Right. And, and and the people that have access to that have the levels of clearance in order to have that. Those are officers. Those are high in, in, enlisted personnel that have, um, you know, top secret and beyond security clearances that have access to it. And so the, the carelessness of it, it could it could mean somebody has been bought off by the Russians already. It, it could mean that people have infiltrated those um, those committees. I, that is a real problem. And this is, again, what no one is talking about right now. Talking to Major Mike Lyons, retired United States Army. I am. I, I read this story and I immediately uh, texted you immediately like this. This is is what we got to talk about. You cannot. 
find this story. But what you can find a lot about is you have uh, Kevin McCarthy, Speaker of the House, meeting uh, with the president of Taiwan there at the Reagan Library in Simi Valley. You have the Chinese engaged in a multiplicity of operations meant to show big threat towards Taiwan, although they have not moved yet to try and take uh, Taiwan back. But this seems to be where everything is heading and where it, it is going. Has there been any new movement that you've seen from China because of this meeting with uh, Kevin McCarthy. And by the way, it's not like it was just Kevin McCarthy, Speaker of the House. Uh, she met with Hakeem Jeffries, who leads the Democrats in the House of Representatives, the day before, I believe it was, in New York. So meeting went on a bipartisan level with members of Congress. Was there anything new from China in their saber rattling that made you say, well, they're getting serious about Taiwan here? Well, a couple of things. They're conducting some drills right now over the airspace in and around Taiwan. So those are being monitored closely. Um, but this is this data breach is a tremendous distraction because the intelligence community now has got to focus on 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 this as opposed to what's going on in, in Taiwan and in China, uh, I think. And the Chinese, this is a gift to them. They'll use this as a way to show other democracies that America can't be trusted. Some, some of the information that was leaked came from other countries came from other countries that told us not to release it out there. And, and sure enough, we did. So that though, that story, that narrative will be told now by Chinese diplomats uh, across the world. Um, but um, you're, you're seeing the, the kind of this, you know, thousand things that are going to take place in a task list before war starts. And, and this is more things that are getting added to that task list that, that potentially increase that likelihood uh, to come. One of the people who clearly wants to um, lessen the task list is Senator Marco Rubio, who was very, very pointed in his commentary uh, about uh, Emmanuel Macron, the president of France, visiting China, a, 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 a visit that people saw as a wait, are we now utilizing China as the power broker here? China's going to somehow engage peace. What kind of what kind of fool would you have to be? to buy into this? And the answer is, well, there are quite a few fools out there. Listen to Senator Rubio and how he sees the situation, specifically uh, a question asked uh, by, I, I, I would say, argue, I would argue, asked by Macron and, and follow his logic here. As far as not getting involved in, in other conflicts that are not ours, we need to ask Europe, does he speak for them? Because we're pretty heavily involved in Ukraine right now. We're spending a lot of our taxpayer money on a European war. And I've supported that because I think it's in the national interest of the United States to be allies to our allies. But if our allies' position, if, if in fact Macron speaks for all of Europe and their position now is they're not gonna pick sides between the US and China over Taiwan, then maybe we shouldn't be picking sides either. Maybe we should basically say, we're gonna focus on Taiwan and the threats that China poses and you guys handle Ukraine and Europe. So we need to find out, does Macron speak for Macron or does Macron speak for Europe? And we need to get the answer to that pretty quickly because China is very excited about what he said. They enthusiastically support everything he said. And apparently he said. So that's just some of Rubio's commentary. Uh, does Macron speak for Europe in this idea uh, that, you know, well, really what he's asking is if, if Europe thinks that some things aren't their business, can the United States think that some things aren't our business? You guys take care of Ukraine. We'll handle Taiwan. Ready, break. Like, like that's the question that, that he's asking. Um, did Macron set himself up for a problem here and Europe up for a problem here? 
Well, he set himself up for the problem for sure, um, oversimplifying that the issue uh, with the Chinese. And he speaks for himself because I don't believe the rest of NATO, some of those NATO countries, you, you talk to any of those NATO countries, Sweden and Finland, for example, that are just in NATO, those bordering countries around Ukraine, they look at France like, what, what's going on? You're not even, you're half in the game. Same with Germany. That you know, This is kind of the, the remnants of old Europe power struggles that uh, if the United States is not involved, we want, we would want another country in Europe to step up that has the same capability. But, uh, but France picks and chooses uh, which way the wind blows is. And then because of that, uh, you know, that we don't, we don't get this, this, the stability and the leadership from those countries that we need. It's, it's old school European thinking that, uh, that Macron has got there when he talks about following America. We, you know, step up to the game there and, uh, and, and kind of get, get in it, especially when it comes to Ukraine. But China is not involved in this old school thinking. Far from it. China is very, very involved in the new school thinking. So they see a move like this, a maneuver like this. Do they recognize, wait a second, this is a fracture point. This is good for us. But then again, it's not good for them if if the United States is still focused on Taiwan. It's only good for them if they can engage the pressure to not have the U.S. focus on Taiwan or be able to focus on the idea of creating better trade partners with Europe, being able to have more power uh, over Europe. So as China sees this, what do you think their move is? Yeah, I, th- I think China is going to be pragmatic about it and recognize that uh, they're, they're going to use it as a propaganda victory in- initially. But uh, if they're realistic about what's happening, the realpolitik on the ground in Europe is that those countries are still uh, well beyond Ukraine's and supporting Ukraine as well as the United States are, is in the game there. I mean, Marco Rubio does pose serious questions to Macron. I think you know, he comes back to this side and we can ask him those questions um, but but a lot of it just has to do with, the you know, he was there. He gets he gets, you know, feel, feels good about what he thinks is going on there and, and then, you know, kind of spouts off like that. He's clearly speaking for himself in France. I don't believe that the, the rest of Europe is in the same same direction as he's on the, the this leak, the, these documents uh, being leaked from the Pentagon. And as you describe it, I mean, that's that is it, it's insane. Um is this ever going to reach someone's desk where people get fired, where people get uh, arrested, where where people are charged with treason? Or is this going to be just another one of those things that kind of gets brushed under uh, the rug? I mean, this is this is the same military that said, you know, we took a look at what happened in the Afghanistan with withdrawal and we're super proud of so much of it, as John Kirby said. But really, any of the issues are all Donald Trump's fault. That doesn't seem like a military that takes responsibility uh, for for its actions. Anybody can be held responsible for these leaks? Well, I, I can tell you that the, the military took what happened in Afghanistan very seriously. Um, I think that was more the administration doing a news dump on a Friday, Thursday, long weekend, because if they really wanted to blame Donald Trump, they wouldn't have done it then. They would have done it uh, you know, in another time frame, I, I think. Um, but we will we will to find out. I look at this and say, who would who would have released these documents? A disgruntled employee, some somebody because they, they've impacted our relationship with Israel, South Korea, that the, the discussions about us putting pressure on the South Koreans to ship artillery rounds to to Ukraine. So I it, it, we have to just find, see it could be a reality winter situation where they the, or Chelsea Manning, something where they thought that they were doing, you know, the right thing, releasing this out. The bottom line is it's out now. Stake is in the ground. And we move you know, forward from here on some level. So you know, we can't get any worse um, as, as this information comes out. 
Um, and if, if anything, I, I, there's a clear trail as to who had access to these documents. That's a known known. Uh, and I'm sure the, the DOJ plus the Pentagon will, will work to find out uh, who at least had access to them. And they'll be all part of the investigation. Major Mike Lyons, retired United States Army. Always appreciate you taking the time to be with us. I really do. I've got a lot more to get to. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today. So over the weekend, Jorge Masvidal fights, who has had an incredible career, and it's probably over as careers end eventually. Tony Katz, Tony Katz Today. Good to be with you. But the story of UFC fighter Jorge Masvidal, they're in, I think they're in Miami, is a story of how popular Donald Trump is. Because Trump was there. Trump was ringside, sitting next to Kid Rock, sitting next to Mike Tyson. What a sight that is. And, and Masvidal loses. And Joe Rogan is in the ring interviewing him. And Masvidal goes on this, well, this conversation about, you know, it's been 20 long years and and uh, if maybe I've been inspiring to some people, and then brings up Trump. That three-pointer no more. Your favorite quarterback loses that rifle. I don't feel the same when I get in here no more. It's been 20 long years. I love all of you. UFC came here 20 years ago, and it inspired me to chase this dream for 20 years, 50-some fights later. Hopefully I inspired somebody in here to go fight for theirs, no matter what it is. If it's in the sports world, if it's in the entertainment world if it's in whatever world the nine to five i love everybody i love this sport i'm a multi-millionaire i didn't start from i didn't have when i started and i can say i'm good for life now 20 long years joe i love you guys man well i love you too man you had a fantastic career and it's been an honor to call your fights i'm a huge fan and i've appreciated everything you've done also i want to say greatest president in the history of the world sitting right there i love that we also got the greatest governor of all time here in Florida. Let's keep Florida free, a red state, and let's take that. You know who? Let's go Brandon out of power and replace him. If I could get it just one time. Let's go Brandon! Let's go Brandon! I'm out. Oh my goodness. Now that is a guy... At, at the height of his powers, even though it's the end of his career, a massive audience and culturally connected, calling Trump the greatest in the history of the world and also complimenting DeSantis and doing a chant of Let's Go Brandon. That's amazing stuff. Do not deny how popular Donald Trump is. That's insane. You're a crazy person. Arguing that he might not be able to win a general, I think that that's very, very real too. But that's a different conversation than whether or not the man has popularity. Don't deny the popularity. Ask yourself about the electability. Well, Tony, aren't they hand in hand? No, they are not. But maybe Trump's more popular than people give him credit for. Maybe. Also, he, he brought up DeSantis. Just a little fun fact. There's a super PAC for DeSantis that has $80 million already. $80 million waiting for DeSantis to go. That's some serious coin. And what some people might say in politics is a good start. 
a very, very good start. DeSantis gets in. One will assume that he does. There's going to be a lot of money and a lot more money because people are waiting on the sidelines to see what he does. This is going to be one heck of a fight. I just don't know if that's good for us. This is Tony Katz today. Things are turning around in some places. While we're seeing layoffs here, there, and everywhere, and that's very, very real, we're also seeing people take advantage of these opportunities. And, well, there's growth. One of the places that's growing, Richmond, Indiana, which is a weird and interesting city. Like, drive through it, you're like, this is is a weird mix of things. Gary Dick joins us from InsideIndianaBusiness.com on Twitter. At IIB, uh, you have Blue Buffalo, which announced a major expansion into Richmond. Now you're seeing even more happen. You spoke with the mayor. What is going on there uh, to the east of us, and uh, what is the future looking like? Well, you know, Tony, it's, uh, I think it is interesting, uh, and it's something. What's going on is something that hasn't been going on there for quite some time. You know, Richmond. Uh, five miles from the Ohio line, uh, east central Indiana, uh, has really gone through some tough times. used to be a really a big manufacturing hub, made things, lawnmower, school buses, uh, uh, auto parts, uh, all kinds of things, lots of factories, and, and good-paying jobs. Those left over time. And uh, you talk about the quote-unquote Rust Belt. Uh, you know, a lot of people made that definition, definition associated with Richmond. But as you mentioned, things beginning to change. Still have their challenges. They're losing population. But I tell you, with my kicks at Ball State, they did lose population last year. But the four-year trend there is the best it's been in 30 years. Add that to the fact that there's investment. Blue Buffalo was a premium pet food uh, company. Built a $200 million factory there. Just announced another $200 million will go into an expansion and adding jobs. The Cambridge City, which is uh, Wayne County. Uh, industrial park there, three companies in that park invested last year. So there's a real feeling, Tony, on the part of the mayor, uh, economic development uh, officials there, that this is Richmond's time, that they can capitalize uh, on this uh, on this momentum. This momentum comes from proximity to Ohio, or is there some, I mean, when I talk about Richmond being this kind of fascinating city, this mix of mm-hmm. old and new, and the way some of the architecture plays, the way some of it lays out, it's it's very, very cool. And there are some really poor areas of the city, of the area, mm-hmm. and, and some places that I would describe as flat-out dangerous. But there's something interesting going on um, visually, and now there's something interesting going on business-wise. Is this the Ohio relationship, or is there something else that is happening in Richmond, has a connection to Richmond, that makes it valuable for these kinds of businesses? Yeah, I think a couple things uh, to hit on there, Tony. One is, I think, more more so the relationship, the proximity to I-70, major interstate. That's the other piece that's happening there. In addition to these economic development deals, more than $60 million uh, in road and infrastructure projects are now underway. I mean, downtown is really carved up with a lot of construction going on right now. But the feeling is, and that doesn't include uh, what will ultimately be uh, six laning of I-70 in that part of the state all the way to the Ohio state line. So I think transportation, uh, number one. I think the other thing, there are people in that community through tough times who've really had a vision and have been working hard to turn things around. And they had, hadn't had really a great deal of success 
for some time, but now the fruits of that labor beginning to show. And, and I think uh, another, a third prong is the community maybe getting behind it. You know, community that had been down psychologically. Oh, we're not going to attract anything. We can't add jobs. We're losing population. Seeing things begin to change. One other project I didn't mention is the largest single investment in its downtown, a new apartment complex, nearly $40 million. That is likely to happen. Negotiations still underway, but the old Elder, Elder Beerman um, retail store would be uh, raised and then a new apartment complex downtown. So, so lots of positive news there. Again, not totally out of the woods. They've got their, they've got their challenges to be sure, but the momentum that hasn't been, been seen there for a long time. Well, $40 million investments in apartments means they expect a, a population to be there, and then there needs to be businesses yeah. to satisfy uh, that that population. So I guess, you know, buy your houses in Richmond now, make your investments uh, as we speak. Talking to Gary Dick of Inside Indiana Business on Twitter at IIB. Personally, find him at Gary Dick, G-E-R-R-Y, at Gary Dick. On the Twitter box, Ball State, you've got the story there at InsideIndianaBusiness.com. Offering new medical certification programs. How is this different than a medical school, and how are some other Indiana-based universities responding to it? Yeah, and I think this is an important story. I know you uh, have a big focus on Ivy Tech uh, today and this week. Uh, that too important because the role that Ivy Tech and Ball State and others play in the in these attracting these economic development deals can be overstated, but these uh, micro-credentials, um, non-credit certification, badges, those types of things, as opposed to a medical school where you're going to become a doctor or a nurse or uh, some advanced degree type uh, of career, these are for people who perhaps are already in the field and just want to improve uh, their status in the field, improve their their uh, education levels. And, and we're beginning to see universities, bigger state universities, offer these kinds of things uh, in areas uh, like IT, uh, in healthcare, healthcare technology, uh, and also um, uh, certainly the uh, the microchips and, and the things we're seeing so much investment coming into the state. So I think you'll begin to see a lot more about this training, certifications, those types of things, important in the overall scheme. So this is non-credit micro-credentials and certification badges to help people advance their careers. Ball State sees this as a as a gain to credibility or a gain to um, number of users, meaning in those enrolling at Ball State, or as a way of trying to determine whether or not an opportunity exists to maybe add that component, which is not a cheap component. I'm not saying they're going to. I could be completely off base here. That's why I'm asking the question. Creating a medical school is outrageously expensive. So what is the, what do they, what do you think their goal is? No, I say a couple of things. One, and and uh, let's be honest, there's got to mm-hmm. be a revenue component in there, uh, you know, for them to want to do this. Uh, universities are businesses after all. So I think there's that revenue component. But I think the other thing that that is important here, too, is Ball State ha- has uh, talked about for a long time connecting more in the community, connecting more in Muncie, in East Central Indiana, in economic development and really playing a role there. I think perhaps they see this as as one of a number of ways that they can contribute to uh, to the community, con- uh, contribute to East Central Indiana, the economy, getting people uh, better jobs, better paying jobs, those uh, those types of things. Uh, kind of along those lines and the role that universities play, uh, again, I know you're, you're, you've got to focus on Ivy Tech. They, the big Stellantis 
a Samsung SDI deal that went to Kokomo. It was $2 billion, 1,400 jobs. There were some Ivy Tech played an absolutely critical role in making that happen because of the courses and the, the training and certifications and things that Ivy Tech can offer. So I, I, Ivy Tech Kokomo played a big role in that. So the universities, they, they, they aren't really so many times we do these economic development deals and don't talk much about the role of, of the university, but it plays a, a real key role in economic development. Always appreciate Gary Dick being a part of the show, InsideIndianaBusiness.com. But that whole conversation about Ivy Tech, which is the community college of Indiana, uh, that comes from something I did on the morning show where I basically said to all the universities, be the first to call in, I'll do a whole week about you. And it was about how uh, there was this college in Brooklyn called St. Francis that is giving up all its sports programming. And I said, is this now the start of the end of colleges as we know it because they can't afford to stay in business because they don't have enough kids coming in. Now, some people said, no, this is actually a whole Title IX conversation because of the wokeness of transgender this, that, and the other. And I said, that's, that's pretty interesting. That's a pretty interesting take, but, but let's ask ourselves what's going on with universities. How do they compete? And so what I said is, Share, share your story. Be the first college president to call in, right? The hubris, right? College presidents are all listening. Oh, they're all listening. Who does, Who isn't listening to this show? Anything I'm talking about, people are listening. And I said, be the first to call in. Be the first to call in, and, and I'll do a whole week about your school. And Ivy Tech called in. I was like, all right, man, I'm a, I'm a man of my word. I'm a man of my word. So I, I did this sit-down, this like 45, 50-minute interview with Dr. Sue Elsperman, who's the president of Ivy Tech, and I'm, I've been sharing it. I'm going to be sharing it uh, on my on my morning show, and and so I want to share some of it here in case some people missed it and curious about it because we did get into a lot of conversations about value. We got into the whole DEI insanity and and and, and a series of things, but it started with this this basic question of sell yourself. What's the elevator pitch? What is Ivy Tech? How do you, how do you do it in thirty seconds or less? Well, we are Indiana's community college system. We serve the entire state. We are the front door for good careers. Uh, we upskill Hoosiers, right? We are the go-to place for employers and the go-to place if you're a Hoosier who wants a better career, uh, better financial security, and a bright future. So first of all, that sounds great, but, but so here's the pushback that you get. Let, let's, let's get the, the, well, I don't know if it's a 500 pound gorilla or an 800. There's a gorilla of a very large animal that we have to get out of the room. Um, I get a career by going to IU and Purdue and Ball State. I don't get, I don't get a career by going to a community college. What's the answer? Yeah. Well, you do, you do. And some of the most important, most successful careers come from community college. Think about one out of three nurses in Indiana came to Ivy Tech to gain their ASN, which qualifies them for passing their NCLEX, which are most of those bedside nurses you see when you're getting healthcare or Ivy Tech graduates. No doubt, those are exciting, great, uh, very strong careers and incredibly high demand in Indiana, which is why our uh, we're already the largest nursing program in the nation and we're expanding by another 600. So we'll be completing 1,900 nurses a year at Ivy Tech and to the very strong support of the healthcare community. So I think that's an example. On the other side, think about IT. All those great cybersecurity, jobs, careers, software development, and then in advanced manufacturing. The careers of the future are going towards, more towards 
uh, the credentials that are offered at a community college or a technical college like Ivy Tech. Now, you, you, you talk about the careers of the future and they are offered through courses at Ivy Tech. Is it selling uh, younger people and older people, right? Because it's not just kids who are 18, 19, 20. You, deal, you, you uh, are trying to attract a much larger uh, group of people across an age spectrum than maybe is what's standard at a, at a four-year school. Is it the idea that, hey, you can get done with this quickly and be working and making a living, right? Is is that part of it, that that the trainings that, that Ivy Tech can offer equal a job and money faster? So it's, it's a yes and. So we do, we are a transfer institution. So about 40% of our students will come to Ivy Tech to do their first two years, get a very affordable $149.55 an hour uh, education for, so less than $10,000, they have their first two years completed and can complete wherever they'd like at a public or a private institution. That's one piece. The so 60% are really those folks who are going into the workforce. And those could be a short-term certification. They could be a uh, full associate degree, or they could be an industry, very specific industry certification that is very short-term and allows them to do a particular skill, particularly when you think about IT careers like cybersecurity, where someone really does need to know a very specific kind of software or application. And so it's a yes. And the other thing I would like to bring up is that everything we do is stackable, right? So you can start with an industry certification. You can get a certificate to a technical certificate to an associate degree, stack to a bachelor's degree and beyond. So we really are the place where you can start your career, you can launch it, but you can also continue it. Tony, I can't tell you how many people during COVID came back to Ivy Tech already having a bachelor's degree, but topping it off with another uh, certificate in marketing or a certification in human resources to make their career more relevant, to add value and help them get promoted to the next level. So the world of higher ed is changing. And what I'm proud about is Ivy Tech is really on the front of that to provide exactly what Hoosiers need. I have real questions about whether or not the, the changes are taking place. I believe it in my soul and anecdotally, I believe it. But are we indeed seeing the entire university system realize they got to play a, a different game? You got to change the game. You know, there, there are things about Ivy Tech I, I truly applaud and things about Ivy Tech I would like to change. And, and, and one of the decisions I've made is that, you know, I can be here on the outside uh, in, engaging my commentaries as I do. And I'm, I'm, that's not going to change. But I can also be of service. Like, I, I think that there is, there is our voice often missing from these tables. And what I've decided is I'm going to try and put my voice in as many of these tables as humanly possible. I really am. It's it's time to be heard. And so I'm going to do what I can for, for just that. To be heard exactly in that way. So I'm I'm uh I'm I'm availing myself of Ivy Tech. How can I help? How can I be of service? Maybe there's a board that I can be a part of. Maybe there's a thing that I can I can do. I would do it for Purdue and I would do it for IU. I would do it for Ball State because and there's a lot of maybe a lot of other places. 
There has to be more than one prevailing voice. There have to be there has to be this push-pull so you're really engaging in all of the context, all of the ways something can be thought about so you can get to really a solution that's best. And I want to be in on that. I think that way too often we hit from the outside and we don't actually try and change from the inside. I think you got to be honest from the outside and be working on the inside. Why not? I feel the same way about teachers. We complain about teachers. You know what conservatives should do? They should become teachers. Same mathematics. More coming up. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. By this time tomorrow, we'll have much more updates or many more updates on that shooting in Louisville, Kentucky happening at a, at a bank Multiple people dead, multiple injuries. Look, we, 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 of course, went over it as the story has been breaking uh, today. Officers with weapons drawn, but we don't have we don't have anything else. Even though we've got this initial reporting, it always takes a day, sometimes two, just to get all of the nonsense stuff that people put out there kind of kind of flushed out, gone so we can keep the story itself, which is so very important. So I'll have. I'll have the full breakdown on that tomorrow. And, and I mean, you want to talk about the capper to a, to a news day that was just miserable. And miserable because so many of these things are all narrative garbage. It, it, the, the, the lies, the attacks, the vitriol, we're not, we're not engaged in, in the important stuff. It's, it's the name-calling stuff. But you need to hear it, and you need to see it. And the reason why I shared it, I mean, I, I should have just talked about bourbon and puppies all day. Because this is the objective, to keep us from engaging the other real things, which is why we talked about these military leaks. There are real things that matter, and then there's the people trying to keep us from the real things. We're not going to be kept from it. We'll talk more about it tomorrow. Find everything, TonyCats.Locals.com. I'm Tony Katz. Tomorrow, everyone. Take care.